There's a story told of a young couple that invited the pastor over for lunch one Sunday after service. When the pastor arrived, he noticed that the couple had brought out their finest china, complete with very expensive silverware. My, the pastor said, you didn't have to go to such lengths on on my behalf. I'm fine fine eating off of paper plates and, and plastic silverware. Ah, nonsense, the wife said. Only the best for our guests. Well, after a delicious lunch and some great conversation, the pastor said his goodbyes and and he headed out the door. As the couple's cleaning up the dishes, the wife notices that the spoon the pastor was using was missing. They looked high and low, but no spoon. The wife said, I don't believe it. The only thing I can think of is that pastor stole our spoon. The husband said, now calm down, that's ridiculous. No way the pastor would steal a spoon. It'll turn up. But the wife was not convinced. She stewed on it for months, convinced the pastor stole her spoon. Finally, she couldn't take it anymore. After eight long months, she walked up to the pastor after service one day and said, okay, pastor, I have a question for you. Eight months ago, we had you over for lunch, and ever since then... One of our spoons has been missing. I just have to ask you, did you steal our spoon? The pastor looked at her, said, kind of embarrassed. He said, no, of of course I didn't steal your spoon. What kind of person do you think I am? I put it inside of your Bible. (laughs) There you go. Now, that would be a bit embarrassing to say the least. Amen. Well, here we are, Celebration Weekend 2022. For those of you that don't know, this weekend takes the place of what we used to call our annual business meeting. Years ago, we decided to take this approach. Instead of the business meeting format, we would typically meet on a Sunday night, and those meetings weren't well attended. We, we, had, a, we had trouble even getting people out for those, and so everyone seems to like this format so much better. So just a, a couple preliminary items. When you walked in this morning, you had a chance to grab our uh, 2021 annual report. Looks like this. If you didn't get one, you can get one on the way out. If you are watching online, there's a link in the description. You can click that link, just fill out the information, and you'll automatically be, uh, be emailed uh, one of those. Um, I like to make this information available to, this includes reports from departments, or the 2021 financials and all that stuff. I like to make this, uh, this report available to everybody, regardless if you're a member or not, because I do believe in full, uh, full disclosure. I feel that that's healthy, healthy, you're dealing with the things of God, and so I just, uh, some people don't like to do it that way, but I do. I just believe in, in uh, full disclosure. Um, on page one of the report, right inside the cover, you're going to see a list of our board of elders, and if you have all of their email contact information is there, so if you have any questions on anything in the report, you're, uh, please feel free to reach out and ask. That's, that's what we're here for, or catch one of us after service. Um, that's fine as well, but, um, uh, or before service to next week or whenever, but you can reach out to any of us, and, and we'll be more than happy to answer um, any questions that you have. We also have in there a report from the kids department, youth department, outreach, and food pantry ministries. Make sure you read those. We had some great things happen last year, and I think you'll be surprised at what actually goes on in this building throughout the week. This is a busy place, and you don't see that on Sunday morning. A lot of you just see what happens here on Sunday morning, and this is actually in what, in the scope of what we do is a very, very small part of it. We're going to talk more about that here in a moment. 
Financially speaking, it was, a, it was a good year for us, taking into account that we had nearly $50,000 in building repairs and upgrades. This building is now 20 years old, and as such, things are starting to break down. A lot of repairs last year. We're still working through them, but God has been good. And for those of you that have been here a while, you know that four years ago, $50,000 in repairs would have been the nail in our coffin. We would not have survived that. So that the fact that we could shoulder that is truly a miracle. Some of that included, you'll see this in the report, a remodel of the parsonage. Me and a couple of wonderful guys um, went in from our Spanish ministry, spent about two months over in our parsonage and completely, nearly completely flipped that thing. We did all the work ourselves to save the church about fifteen dollars to $20,000 in labor cost. Now it's a nice home that we're able to provide members of our staff. It was in pretty rough shape to say the least. With that being said, we do have another big repair coming up. The heat exchangers in the... Uh, in, in the, that provide heat to the cafe and the lobby. They have cracks in them and they need to be replaced. The one in the cafe has been completely shut off and that's why it's been a bit colder in there <laughs> than the one, uh, than the one in, the, than in the lobby. Um, but the one in the lobby, we've, best, we've been able to run it, but we're just able to, we're just been limping it by. Um, you know, t- after 20 years, it's just, um, it, it's time. But praise God, we're still able to run the one in the lobby or we'd have about 20, 25 space heaters all over the place, which wouldn't be fun. Uh, the repair for that is about $6,000, and like I said, we absorbed $50,000 in repairs and upgrades last year, and you never heard a word from me. I never got up here once and said anything, but understand something. That's $50,000 less now that we have for ministries and outreach. It's $50,000 less that we have for vision, basically. So the board decided it would be best for me to bring this need before you, and if you can give anything towards the repair of that unit, you don't know how much of a blessing that would be. If we can all join together and we can just pay the repair of that thing, that'll allow us to keep all of our resources flowing towards vision instead of building repairs. So if if you feel led to help out with that, any amount helps. Just mark it on your envelope. You can do building or heat repair or whatever you want to do, and we'll make sure that it gets into the right spot so that all goes towards the uh, the repair of that. We're hoping to have that fixed within the next couple of weeks or so. Overall, see in the report, you'll notice that we finished the year about, uh, again, just some preliminaries here, and then we'll get into it. I just want to make sure I go over a few things. We ended the year about $10,000 in the red. However, we did pay roughly $20,000 extra in principal this year on our mortgage. That's part of our vision, paying off the debt. And so this year we got aggressive with that. We paid nearly $45,000 in principal this year complete. Um, $20,000 of that was extra that that wasn't due. So that was a miracle in its... Self. We're just going to continue to try to knock that thing out to be debt free. So again, look that report over and do it, but do it after service today. Don't do it during the preaching. If you look that report over during the preaching, may the fleas of a thousand camels be in your bed tonight. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. In all seriousness, though, don't, don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. That, that's what we're here for. We have definitely seen the goodness of God over the past five years. And guys, I believe our best days are still in front of us. They are not behind us. So although today is a day of celebration... I have a bit of a challenge or perhaps maybe even a warning from God for our church here today. And I want to kind of address the church as a whole today. I was strongly impressed to deliver this particular message today. So I need you to listen. I need you to listen very carefully to what I'm about to say because I believe the future of this church depends on this. So no sleeping today. Amen. 
You see, when God begins to bless a church like He has blessed ours, and I have seen this time and time again, there's a trap that is set, and I, I think I have talked about this before. I call it the trap of comfort. The trap of comfort will cause us to start to settle down because we think we have arrived. The trap of comfort will force us to let off the gas because in this case, after all, we're doing way more than others are doing, and we are. If you look at what we're doing in our community, um, we're doing things that no one else is doing. As a matter of fact, I was told several weeks ago that there's a, the staff member of a larger church here in town that's networked with a lot of people. He's been in this community for years. He said that others now, other church leaders and other even members of the community, are now looking at this church as the example to follow in order to effectively reach, serve, and love the people of our community. Other church leaders have started to call me about the food pantry. Yeah, that's celebration. Other church leaders here in town, they've called me about our food pantry because it's gotten so big and the word has spread. I've had other people call me about starting a bus ministry. It's exciting to see others get passionate about reaching the hurting, but I, I say the same thing to every one of them. I say, I don't want to scare you, but if your church is a comfortable church, and you start reaching out to people, get ready for war. Because people, especially church people, like comfort. We like comfort. Get ready for sleepless nights. Get ready for those that you love dearly to hurt you. Because you just don't mess with people's comfort. And when you do, problems come with that. Now this is a very unique church. And I'll be the first to admit, this church is not for everyone. We go after people that need God, and we always will as long as I'm standing behind this pulpit. And that gets a bit messy. Some people don't like it because it gets a bit uncomfortable at times. Let's just be real. Trust me. If you stay in this church long enough, you're going to see some things you're not going to see in other places. I guarantee it. But the ministry of Jesus was messy. The ministry of Jesus got uncomfortable at times. Just read the Gospels. It was messy because he went after people. The Word of God tells us he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And church, if you want to see the rain, you're going to have to deal with the mud. You can't have one without the other. So with this in mind... It would be easy for us as a church right now to sit back, to relax, and to let off the gas, saying, whoa, I think we've arrived. You see, we allow ourselves to be comfortable when we do that, and when we become comfortable, we begin to take the blessings and the things of God for granted. Rather than being thankful for what God is doing and keeping our foot on the gas pedal, we find ourselves letting off the gas, and thankfulness is slowly replaced with complaining. I'm preaching to myself here this morning as well. I have fallen for this trap more times than I care to admit I'm just as guilty as the next guy. And the next thing you know, the Spirit of God is gone, the miracles of God are gone, and all that's left is an empty shell of what once was, and we sit around in our little cliques and we talk about the good old days. So if you have your Bible or Bible app, and I know that was a long intro, go ahead and turn to the book of Judges chapter 16. 
and verse 17. Judges chapter 16 and verse 17. This is the story or the tail end of the story of a man named Samson. If you don't have your Bible or Bible app, it's, you can follow along up on the screens. If you need a Bible, we have them available at the hub, both in English and in Spanish. So here we go. Judges chapter 16 and verse 17 says, Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. If my head were, were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. We'll go back and kind of fill in this uh, when I, when, after we read this. Delilah, verse 18, Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with, her, with his head in her lap, and she called in a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. And when he woke up, he thought, I will do as before. I will shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged down his eyes. They took him to Gaza, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. I'm calling this message today, When the Miracles Stop. Father, for the next few moments, I just ask that you would give me the mind of Christ. God, I believe that you've given me a challenging word to your people today, kind of as a preventative maintenance message, so to speak. And so, Lord, I just pray, God, that you would speak to each of us right where we're at because we're all in different places. And so, Father, today we just we trust you, Lord. I thank you for your anointing. I thank you, God, for your favor. And, Lord, let us, when we leave this place today, let us be changed for your glory. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in Judges chapter 16, we see the famous story of a man named Samson. Now, this man Samson was born somewhere between 1045 B.C. and 1000 B.C. during a very dark period of Israel's history. Seven times the nation of Israel had turned from God, and now they find themselves under the oppressive rule of the Philistines. Samson was born a Nazarite, which means that he was separated or set aside for God from birth. And part of this meant that he was not to drink wine or the fruit of the vine. He couldn't go near or touch a dead body, human or animal, nor could he cut his hair. Samson had a call of God in his life to deliver the Israelites from the hand of the Philistines. Because of this, the Spirit of God was on Samson, and the proof that is the fact that he had supernatural strength. As an adult, Samson's strength allowed him to tear apart a lion with his bare hands and to, and to defeat many Philistines with other supernatural acts of strength. So the Philistines, the Philistines seen this man, Samson, as their mortal enemy. So in efforts to defeat him, some of the Philistine leaders plotted with a woman named Delilah to discover the source of his strength. They didn't know how to eliminate the strength from him, so they, they teamed with Delilah. They told this woman, Delilah, that if, she, if, they could, if she could get him to uncover the source of his strength, they would reward her greatly. So Delilah accepts the challenge, 
and three times she tries to pry the secret from Samson of his strength. Three times she failed as Samson misled her every time. Finally, after after much prodding, Delilah was able to get him to tell her the truth. Samson became comfortable and he let his guard down. Delilah shaves his head. The Word of God tells us that when his head was shaved, the Spirit of God left him. He lost all of his strength. He lost the presence. He lost the anointing of God. Now, here's what amazes me about this story. The anointing that was once on Samson was now gone, and he didn't realize it. Look again at verse 20. It says, Then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before. I will shake myself free. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. You see, Samson got up that morning. It was business as usual. He thought it would just be another day in paradise. But the Spirit of God had departed from him. And in a moment's time, the miracles of God stopped. Sadly, I know of individuals where the Spirit of God used to move on them in such a mighty way. They would witness signs and wonders and miracles. They, would win, they were winning people to God. But then the miracles stopped. And now all they have are memories. I know of great churches, you, you probably know of some too, where the Spirit of God used to move in a mighty way. They would see hundreds of people get saved. But the, now the Spirit of God is left and now they just talk about the good old days. That was this church for years. When I'm told of the memories of this church, the memories that I'm told that common, commonly come back are the memories of when we were over in the chapel. Long before I was here, long before this building was built, so more than 20 years ago now, but I was told that this church, from many people, that this church was walking in miracles. People tell me that that old chapel where the kids currently are now was not big enough to house the people, hence why this was built. But people were getting delivered, people were getting saved, the Spirit of God was in this place, but then something happened. Something happened, and from the way I understand it, the miracles of God stopped. Attendance began to dwindle, the finances ran dry. But it was during this dry season, and it's been a long dry season for this church, that someone prophesied, and people have told me this as well, that one day God would raise up this church again, that the future days of this church would far surpass any of the former. They said that God would once again raise up this church, and this church would become a beacon of light and of hope to this community. And I remember when we arrived in Green Bay, The district superintendent of the Assemblies of God here in Wisconsin sat me down and said, you are going to have tremendous pressure to sell that building. Don't sell the building. Trust God because I believe he's going to use that building someday to change Green Bay. And look at what God is accomplishing today. I never thought I would say it, but this building is almost, if you look at what happens during the week, is almost not big enough anymore. Read the food pantry report. You'll see what I'm talking about. He then told me of the prophecy that had been spoken years ago, the prophecy of God raising up this church once again. 
And man, he was right. There was pressure to sell this building. We couldn't pay the mortgage. We were drowning financially. The finances were so bad. I was told they were pulling lights out of the basement of the parsonage and using them in the church, which made sense because there were no lights in the basement of the parsonage for the longest time. We as a church were broke. And I realized that after I got here, realistically, my best guess was, dear Lord, we're about six months from completely going under and losing everything. The pastor that was voted in, or not voted in, but trying, trying to merge with the other church, for those of you that were here that remember that, it fell through. He told me himself that if he was voted in, that the first thing he was going to do was sell the building. Because he said, I don't, think, I don't know if we're going to survive unless we sell that building. And that was his opinion. And I completely understand And it's amazing to look back today and think of how differently things would look for this church if that merge would have went through. But I started to think that maybe people are right. Maybe we needed to sell. Maybe that's our only hope. Just start over. I mean, I remember the day when we had less than 100 people sitting in here trying to carry a $12,000 a month month mortgage. The situation looked impossible. And so it made sense. And I remember crying out to God and telling him that he got it wrong. And I remember weeping and telling him that he called the wrong person to Green Bay because no way did I have the experience to pull off a turnaround like we needed to see here. I mean, I had experience, but nothing like this. The problems this church were facing were bigger than anything I had ever experienced in my life. But God would just remind me of that passage found in Zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6, which says, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit says the Lord of hosts. You see, only the Spirit of God could turn this thing around. And I think he had to send in some guy with no experience just so he gets the glory. <laughs> but only the anointing of God would, could make a way where there seemed to be no way. And then we begin to watch the hand of God move in this place. Miracles started to happen, and now today, almost five years later, I believe that I have seen more miracles over the last five years than I have ever seen in that span in my life. Not only that, but the impact at this moment that we're having in our city is truly amazing. Just think about it. God has given us not one, but five buses that we are able to use for His glory. No one else in town is doing that. We dedicated all of them this past summer, if you remember that. It was a sight to behold out there with all the balloons. Hundreds of people have been won to the Lord due to our bus ministry. Hundreds of relationships have been formed. Imagine what we could do with ten buses. We'll get there. Amen. Our clothing closet started with just one bag of clothes. One bag of clothes was donated. Today we have clothed thousands of people here in our community through our clothing closet, all free of charge. On top of that, we have been given such favor that we get a large coat donation around Thanksgiving every year. And we have been able to provide thousands of winter, of winter coats to both kids and adults over the past several years. Every year around Thanksgiving time, those coats get donated. We pass them out. Our food pantry, I've talked about this several times. We, We once again this past year provided bags of groceries to thousands of families. Several of them have decided to join this church. 
We give away thousands of pounds every single week right here from the doors of our church. And those guys are out there if it's snowing. They're out there if the sun's shining. They're out there if it's below 20, 25 degrees. I kid you not. Our volunteers rock. Can we hear it up for our volunteers right now? I'm telling you what. You know where it gets so cold that you're trying to talk and your lips can't? You know that you know what I'm talking about? You're, you're trying to talk and you're like... <laughs> Oh, got to love Wisconsin. <laughs> uh, this is just a small part of what God has done. Back to school bash this year, we gave out hundreds of backpacks. You guys helped buy those. We got them for $5 a piece, cheap. More than 1,000 people came out to that event, and hundreds stood to receive Christ. Our Halloween event, Trunk or Treat, we hadn't done one of those in a long time. Hundreds of people showed up to hear the gospel that night. Thanksgiving outreach, nearly 600 meals were served just after, after, uh, after church on Thanksgiving this year. Hundreds of people standing to receive Christ that service. And then Christmas this year, what a wonderful event our toy giveaway was. We have a picture of that. Look at all those gifts up there on the stage. Can you imagine doing that, those of you that have been here for five years, five years ago? I mean, we had a more than 1,000 toys donated last year. This building was once again packed with hundreds of people standing to receive Christ as their Savior. These are miracles, and I need you to understand that you are witnessing things right now that other people only talk about. You get to see it. You get to live it. You get to experience it, and it's happening right in front of you. Not only that, but today we now have, including the Kids and others throughout the building, more than 300 people that regularly attend on a Sunday morning. I remember when there'd be less than 100. I told you that. That's not a spike in attendance. I remember when the, the side aisles were roped off so no one could sit on the side aisles. It's not a spike attendance. That's regular. But what we also have an online attendance across all platforms that we're using. And, and online's been new just since covid now between 140 to 150 people every week. Six months ago, online attendance was between 70 and 80. So our online reach has doubled in almost six months. Wednesday nights, we have more than 200 people in this building. Three quarters of them aren't, aren't here on Sunday morning. That's about 150 people here that we don't have on Sunday morning. 450 weekly attendance, including online, plus 150 on Wednesday, is 600 different people now hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ every single week. But then we have our food pantry. We're giving away 200, 150 to 200 bags. Look at the report of food every week. That's another 200 people at least that we're connecting with every week. Over the past two years, listen to this. Over the past two years, we have given away over 25,000 bags of groceries in two years. Think about 25,000 bags of groceries have gone out our doors and we have volunteers that are unloading food. We have volunteers that are bagging all that stuff. We have volunteers. I mean, it's like a machine. Hats off to Jill Greenwood. She has done such a great job. Jill, why don't you come up here and say a word? Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you got me for the announcements. That's all you get. That's right. It's our, she'll tell you, it's our volunteers. You can't, you're limited to your volunteers, but we, they have a great leader in Jill. Then our Sunday night meal program, Lynn leads that up. We go to the motels and the parks every Sunday night. A lot of you guys don't know that. We go out on Sunday nights. Team goes out. Another 150 people that we're feeding every week, that we're connecting with every week. 
Altogether, if you add these all together, the, 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 the people we're connecting with through all of our outreach ministries, at least is, is more than now 1,000 people every single week through everything that we do. In three years, including a pandemic, don't forget that, we've seen growth from about 150 weekly connections to now more than 1,000 weekly connections. And that doesn't even include our big events. We have over 1,000 just in those events, all hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's where we are today. Many of you had no impact, what, the impact we're having on our city, because again, like I said, this service is all you see, and this is only a small part of it. This is a very busy place throughout the week, and the Spirit of God is moving. Miracles are happening. We are literally witnessing the prophecy that was spoken over this church unfold right before our very eyes, and God is just getting started let me tell you, you think God is done? Oh my, just wait, because we have seen nothing yet. But here's why I say all that. I say that as a word of caution to us as a church body. Just because the Spirit of God is moving today doesn't mean we'll see it tomorrow. Just like with Samson, if we're not careful, we can lose the anointing, we can lose the favor, we can lose the miracle, and we won't even realize it until it's gone until it's too late. Church, we cannot allow ourselves to fall into the trap of becoming comfortable. We cannot let off the gas. I don't want to live on yesterday's miracle. I want to see miracles today. I want to see miracles tomorrow. I want to see miracles next month, and I want to see miracles 5, 10, 15, 20 years from now, all for the glory of God. Because God is able to do it. Years ago when we pastored in Colorado, I watched the hand of God move in that place that I'd never, like I'd never seen up, up to that point in my life. In four years, we watched that ministry grow from 25 to more than 600 people a week running two services. I watched hardened gang members come down to the altar crying out to God for in repentance. And I've told you some of those stories, literally tattooed from head to toe. I watched entire neighborhoods there change. I was part of a community task force with the police department there, and I was reminded of an officer telling me that the, that the crime rate in one of the neighborhood, one of the neighborhood complexes that we, had, that we were picking up in had dropped significantly since our buses started going in there. He came to me and he said, whatever you're doing, keep it up. You are making a difference. Can I tell you, that is the power of God. That's the presence of God. That is revival to me. Revival is when the city block changes. I talked about the presence of God a couple weeks ago. That church became a beacon of light to the community. The main newspaper, the secular newspaper, even came in and did a story on us. They rode our buses one night. They hit the streets with us. They wrote a wonderful article, and they put us on the front page of the secular newspaper paper the title read driven by faith i've got a copy of the article here i hang it up on my office wall secular newspaper front page driven by faith church bus routes put kids on the path to praise wonderful article written written up by this crew that came in and did that but i was floored this is a secular newspaper and here we go but something started to happen. You see, being, rather than being thankful and keeping our foot on the gas, 
I noticed that people started to complain. Because again, if you want to see rain, you're going to have to deal with mud. And mud's not a lot of fun. Some people started to say we had too many buses. I mean, we only had eight at the time. If we had 80 in every spot in the parking lot's filled, I could probably see, okay, let's talk. But until that happens, don't tell, don't, please don't tell me we have too many buses. They said we had too many buses. We got to quit spending money on the buses. And they were filled. The board was split. Half of them wanted to get more buses. The other half wanted them gone. Board meetings become like a war. Then I was told that I was spending too much money feeding people that came in, and they wanted me to stop feeding people. True story. We were providing a hot meal to, to hundreds of people a week for around 11 cents a person. Literally cost us nothing. So I told them, I said, guys, I'm not going to stop. I'll just pay for it myself if that's what you, if we can't afford it, I'll just pay for it myself. So despite the opposition, we kept feeding people. And God kept providing miraculously, but there was a war. And it wasn't a war with unbelievers. It was a war with people that claimed to follow Jesus Christ. It was other Christians in that church that rose up against us and they came against the move of God. We want miracles, they would cry. We want to see a move of God, they would cry. And then God showed up and started moving and they fought it tooth and nail. You see, that's what the trap of comfort will do. When we're comfortable, we'll start to complain about the mess. We allow ourselves to become comfortable and we lose sight of what we're supposed to be about, the human soul. And then we start to make decisions of the flesh to what? Protect our comfort. And it's a trap. Despite the war behind the scenes, the Spirit of God moved. And some, some like CJ was there, Caleb was there, he, he was, he's, he's seen all this. The Spirit of God moved, the people were getting saved and set free, but I, I will never forget the day. It was an ordinary day, a day like any other, but that morning when I woke up, something was different. I knew the season that we were in at that moment was coming to an end. I felt it. I cannot explain it, but I felt it. And because I felt it, and I knew that, that something was happening that was, that, was, that, was, that was different, I remember driving the streets and weeping for the people of that city, asking that, God, if you move us out of here, if you move us on, please assure me that someone's going to care enough to reach out to keep reaching these people. And heaven was silent. Shortly after God released us from that assignment, he moved us on, and, and it seemed like just like that, almost every, almost overnight, everything just come to a halt, and it stopped. And I remember when we pulled out of the city for that last time, I remember thinking, man, what's going to happen to this ministry that God has built? Everything that God has done, and in just a sh couple short months, that church had sold nearly every bus they had, and it was over. I had a young man call me shortly after, he was just weeping on the phone, after we left, because he, he knew what, what had happened. The Spirit of God left, all the miracles had stopped. You see, I believe there comes a time where we can resist the move of God so much. And I don't, that's not happening here. That's not why I'm preaching this. I believe this is more of a preventative maintenance message here this morning. But you see this in the Old Testament with the people of God starting to complain and how frustrated God got with that. You see it over and over and over again. But I believe that sometimes we can complain and resist the move of God so much, and we see this in the Old Testament where God finally steps back and says, okay, if that's what you want, then that's what I'll give you. 
and his spirit leaves. And just like Samson, we don't realize it until it's too late. You know, I don't know what, hap- what, what caused that to happen here in this church years ago. I'm, I'm sure there's some people that could probably tell me. Everybody's got their own thoughts on that. But my friends, I don't ever want it to happen again. I don't ever want to take the things of God for granted. I don't want to become comfortable and just sit back and put the car on cruise control, living on the miracles of yesterday. I don't want to turn inward focused where it becomes all about me and start complaining about what God is doing because I'm not comfortable. Instead, I want to win more people to Jesus than we ever have. I want to feed more people than we ever had. I want to reach more people with the gospel than we ever have. I want to see miracles that I've never seen. I want to see revival come to our city and to our state. And it's not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of God. Amen. Sam, I'm going to have you go ahead and come to the, come to the front. If I could have you bow your heads and close your eyes.